Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This is episode 101, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. Uh, this week, we have another guest from Virginia that drove up, uh, I imagine you came up Route 15 to visit? 15 to 340. To come see us. Um, we have Mark Osborne, the founder and co-owner, or no, just owner, right? Uh, yes, gonna, founder, uh, owner. Of uh, Adroid Theory. Yes, thank you for having me up. Yeah, so there's so many things I want to cover with you, because there's there's just a lot of interesting things that come out of Adroid Theory. It's like, I, would, I don't even know where to start. Um, and then we also have the weird situation where we were down there last week interviewing you for the magazines. Like I have all this pre-information that I typically don't have cause I don't do, um, I, uh, don't do a lot of research like most people would probably do before interviewing someone. So I don't typically know anything going into it. Uh, but so I think let's just start out with, um, what were you doing before you decided you were going to open a brewery? It's where we typically start out and then we'll get into the nitty gritty of, um, making extremely ugly beer or <laughs> um, extremely brightly colored beer and all the uh, other specialties that you have. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, I always tell people um, that I got into the beer industry by drinking a lot of craft beer and, and doing what a lot of people do, which is, is that step progression from what you, you know, drank when you were in college and then, you know, you got a little bit more money and, and you got, you know, a little bit more uh, refined palate and then you got addicted to it and you went from, you know, A to B to C and the next thing you know, like it's consuming every aspect of your life. Um, I owned a couple other businesses that had absolutely nothing to do with the industry and um, I saw 40 years old uh, quickly uh, on the horizon. This was uh, when I was 38 and I got the idea, you know, what do I love to do? I love beer. Why don't I start a brewery? And I told my wife about it, and she thought that was a fantastic idea and encouraged me to do it. And my goal was to, you know, open the brewery by the time I was 40. I missed that by, by six months, but uh, I was 40 and a half. And, Close uh, enough. Yeah, we opened. Round, yeah, round down. Round down. So we, uh, we opened the brewery, and, uh, you know, it's been uh, all in since then. Now, were you into home brewing or mainly as a... Uh, enthusiastic consumer. I was uh, I was a, a fan, a fan first. Uh, we were those people that went to all the festivals. We went and toured breweries. We went on beer vacations. We've been on cruises that were, you know, beer oriented cruises. Um, so we we were those people. And uh, but eventually, you know, you you've you've seen so many things. You've tasted so many things that it was like you know, um, I love Virginia, and there's some really good breweries in Virginia, but there was really nobody at least at the time, pushing the envelope of, you know, experimental, you know, really trying to, you know, make new things that hadn't been done before, do it in a, you know, an interesting and unique way. So I felt like that was a, um, you know, a niche that we could fulfill. I would say even now you're still pushing different envelopes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the focus has changed a little bit over the last, you know, four and a half years, but, you know, we still are doing you know, I think relatively cutting edge things and particularly relative to the people that are, you know, within a, you know, immediate radius to us. And frankly, even 
on the Mid-Atlantic in general. Yeah, I mean, I think there you only have, what, like 28 neighbors? <laughs> uh, Percival is a town of 8,000 people. <laughs> there are 25 vineyards, uh, six breweries, one distillery, soon to be two. And that is just in the town. That doesn't even count, like, what's around the town. Yeah, because I think it, in Loudoun County as a yeah. whole, you're up to 30-plus yeah. breweries yeah. at this point. And Loudoun is not a terribly large no. county. So, yeah, there's quite a bit. I mean, you know, Virginia is on the up and up, I think, in, in general in terms of, you know, uh, not just beer, but, you know, alcohol as, as an industry. Um, in Loudoun County in particular. You yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. got a real leg up on, on Fairfax at Arlington. Yeah, your government leaders don't hate the craft brewing industry like, like up here. That, yeah. <laughs> so the you had mentioned one of the things that opening about about pushing the envelope. And from what I understand, when you first opened, one of uh, your focuses was high gravity beers. You were making nothing but strong in that your is, face. That is true. That was one of many things yeah. that we kind of committed to early on and, and up until very recently haven't really deviated from. Um, we used to boast that we never made beers below 7%. Um, you know, 8 to 10 was kind of the sweet spot, but, you know, we would routinely have, you know, 12-plus beers on. And, and you know, that is really cool, and that's the type of beers I, generally speaking, like to drink, but it definitely limits your ability yeah. to uh, – <laughs> But kind of cuts back on uh, probably taproom sales, definitely. Yeah, shockingly, you'd be surprised, but um, <laughs> it attracts a certain type of person, uh, <laughs> professionals. You know, they, they're the ones that show up. But um, I will tell you that the, the tasting room was very skewed male for like the first three years um, as a percentage. We've evened that out a little bit by having some, you know, uh, more interesting uh, sessionable options than we did at the beginning because there was zero. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, when I was there shortly after you opened, they were definitely all very strong beers, and we made the mistake of going there as our last stop. Mm. So it was kind of like a knockout punch. It would have also been a mistake to be a first stop, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, <I guess laughs> it's yeah, all downhill. <laughs> it's all downhill once you visited Droid Theory. But I will tell you, now we have, I mean, uh, we, have, we have 24 beers on draft, not counting what we have in bottles, this weekend, and I think... 12 of the 24 are under 5%, and I think 8 of the 12 are below 4%. So, I mean, it's nice because we still have big boozy options. I mean, we have 14% stouts and big boozy things, but, um, you know, it's nice when it's, you know, 95 degrees outside to have something you can sip on or that's not going to annihilate you or your taste buds. Yeah. You don't necessarily want a 12% chewy stout. <laughs> well, some people do, but 95 degrees yeah, is a bit of, I do it's a bit of work. <laughs> So uh, where did the name Adroit Theory come from? So that was not going to be our original name. We were actually going to be called Antithesis Brewing, which um, is an interesting word, but a bit of a tongue twister. So we're very glad that the uh, the trademark lawyers uh, poo-pooed that idea. Yeah, that would probably be uh, under your original mission uh, to uh, s- destroy people's uh, alcohol in uh, just – giving them tons of alcohol they wouldn't be able to say the name of where they were no no it was <laughs> going to be when they called to get a cab home <laughs> yeah it was going to be a little bit of a, of a of a rub there once once that first beer kicked in but uh it was a cool name you know it was the you know doing the opposite of of what everybody is is doing or expecting you to do um but it was not going to pan out so we had to quickly come up with a new name and my wife found the word adroit in a thesaurus and when she read me the definition because i 
I'm not one of those people who got a 1600 on my SAT. Uh, I didn't know what it meant, but uh, it means you're skilled with your hands, you know, like a tradesperson. And when you think about what a brewer does, it's working you know, manually with your hands and taking very basic ingredients and turning them into a magical elixir known as beer. I almost bet that Graham knew what that word meant beforehand. <laughs> Graham likes to use words that no one knows what they mean. Uh, you know, it's very esoteric of him. <laughs> so um, how, uh, how long did you stick to the not going below 7%? Uh, three years. Wow, three so that years. was a long run. Oh, yeah. We, we, we weren't kidding around. <laughs> um, but, you know, we you know, we had, we had a little bit of personnel change, and with that comes opportunities to, you know, um, get rid of old ways of thinking, bring in some, you know, some new people, some new ideas. And, and while I always want to make interesting beers that challenge people's perceptions and taste profiles and all those types of, of things – I also wanted, you know, to run a business, you know what I mean, and have a, have a successful growing business. And I, I saw some serious gaps in our portfolio of things that, you know, we really weren't making like IPAs. I mean, we made a handful of IPAs, but not really. I mean, people knew us as either, you know, big and boozy, barrel-aged, or, you know, really, you know, odd, out-of-the-ordinary ingredients or techniques. And uh, I mean, I, re- I remember a ramen noodle IPA. Ramen noodle. We were just in Richmond this past weekend, and people who have never been to the brewery and really had only heard of us, that was, that's what they said. Don't you guys have made ramen? Yeah, yeah, we made, <laughs> we made a beer with ramen. Yeah, yeah, that was us. Um, and there's a laundry list of things that we've done. But, you know, I wanted to have other things. I wanted to have IPAs. I wanted to have some session beers. I wanted some, like, tart beers, fruity beers, um, you know, some beers to style. Again, also just to prove that, yes, we know how to make beers. Yeah. Um, yes, we break the rules. But – we can also not break the rules um, and make, you know, interesting beers that are also too style. Yeah, what was it when we stopped in? Was it a Pilsner? Uh, we haven't brewed a Pilsner yet. That is, is definitely it? on the agenda. But we had a, we have a Kolsch on right it was now. A Kolsch, yeah. That, um, I mean, it's definitely a true-to-style Kolsch. Yeah, I mean, again, hard to, you know, people don't queue up usually for, for Kolsch's, but – you know, it's a it's a solid beer. It's, well it's definitely made. a style that surprisingly has become much more popular. There are way more breweries now that are making a big deal about coming out with the Kolsch than I, I ever remember. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's that that the the renaissance of, of lagers. Now, while Kolsch is in a, is in a lager, you you know, like for us, we you know we aged it six weeks before we released it. Um, you know, I think. You know, like anytime we go to like brewer events, all the brewers are drinking Pilsner, you know, so I think there's a reason for that. Yeah, and I mean, uh, like locally, Brewers Alley, that's their best-selling beer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's, once you get outside of the the bubble of extreme fandom that we tend to live in, Mm -hmm. we forget that there's this whole world of people that are, that just drink what they call beer Mm -hmm. and not the... Not the, the everything extreme that everybody else is queuing up yeah. for. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's every man, every man beer, <laughs> and we love them. I mean, uh, you know, Kolsch is something we're going to actually try to have on on a fairly regular basis. We'll be brewing our first Pilsner, uh, you know, this fall. Um, you know, so I think it's nice to have, you know, some core beers that are well made, and and again, they're not, you know, the ones that people geek out about, but they're solid beers. And you can drink them any day of the year. 
So when you opened, how many other breweries were there in the area? Were you really one of the first of? We were in in Percival. We were actually the first to open a brewery open shortly thereafter. Who was an older brewery that moved to Percival? Okay, so they were the oldest, but it didn't really matter. <laughs> um, once the floodgates was opened, you know, Virginia redid a bunch of their laws. The town redid their zoning. It was like this perfect storm of like, whew. and uh, they were opening up pretty quickly. And I think even now, like, I'll be honest with you, like I'm in like the you know the Virginia Brewers Association, the Loudon Brewers Association. And I haven't even heard of, like, half of the people. that I'm like, geez. It's like a full-time job just keeping track of, of you know, these new people that are, that are popping up. Tell me about it. So, but, yeah, I guess we're old school in that regards. Um, so as, like, being in an area where it is so rapidly growing and a very small geographical area, as all these breweries are opening up, how do you see them um, – hurting or helping the traffic into your brewery? Because a lot of the what people say is that the more there are, the more tourism that brings in the area, and it actually helps everyone. If, have you seen that? or? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, there's always competition, and I yeah. think you can never get away from that. But, I mean, the people that you know we're competing with are very specific, and they're not geographically you know, that close to us. So all the people that are geographically close to us, I think it's one of those rising tide syndromes. I mean, it just gives people from Arlington, from Baltimore, from Richmond, another reason to come and get in a car because they can hit four or five places, you know, whereas before they could only hit one or two. I mean, that's a win-win for everybody. Did you leave Frederick out of that list because there's no reason to leave Frederick because we're the East Coast craft beer capital of the world. <laughs> I, or... love, I love, I love Frederick, bro. I love Frederick. We actually, we come, we were here this past weekend. We, we, we go to Frederick um, probably as often, or maybe more often than we go to Leesburg, which is like the next yeah. you know, closest town to us. But there's tons of shopping, tons of, you know, great craft beer, uh, you know, bars and restaurants. You know, you've got Roast House, you got White Rabbit. It's nice stuff if you're at Kushwa, it's not that far from here. Yeah, they're about uh, 26 or so minutes. Well, depending well, on I mean, where 26 minutes. Wow, that's very specific. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, I may have gone there a couple times after, <laughs> directly after work. Well, those guys are, we like those guys. We like everybody, but I mean, those guys are killing it. Yeah. We made, uh, we made two beers with them. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, we made a, we made a hazy IPA and then we made nice. a. A cinnamon toast crunch stout. Oh yes, I now I now that you mentioned the actual beer, I do remember them doing that one with you. That was a good beer. It was a very good beer. Did you brew that at your place or at theirs? Uh, we did the IPA at their place, and then we did shockingly the the stout. The, the at our weird place. one at your yeah, shockingly, <laughs> shockingly. You, by the way, it's hard to get cinnamon toast crunch in quantity. By the way, it's you can't just order like four hundred pounds of. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. So you just have to go and like strip all the local Oh, they say, put it this way, the the Costco's and the grocery stores and all these places, as soon as they see us coming, like they know who we are. And they're like, what are you? Mark's got something up his sleeve again. Like, how many avocados do you have? And uh, (laughs) they, uh, anyway, so yeah. Um. So actually, I th- you, you mentioned Roast House Pub, and so that's a great segue in for us to take a quick break and thank. And you actually uh, work with both of our sponsors quite a bit. Uh, you use caps for the bottling. Yes. And Roast House Pub, I think, pretty much all the time has at least one of your beers on tap. You can reliably get 
Adroit Theory beers at Rose House Pub. Yes, that's true, and and we love we love them. We're actually doing a, a Halloween themed beer dinner uh, second year them. in a row. I think it actually, this will be number third, three. Yeah. Number three. Um, so yeah, they do a great job, and we're very honored to be on draft regularly there because I mean they bring in some pretty awesome beer. Yeah. So um, let's take a real quick break and thank them. A huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, Roast House Pub, which is located at 5700 Urbana Pike in Frederick, Maryland. If you have listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that Chef Nico creates. Simply put, they are amazing. But Roast House Pub has much more to offer. Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook, and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. And thank you to our supporting sponsor, Craft Alliance Packaging Solutions. Craft Alliance Packaging Solutions has been serving the craft beverage industry since 2012 and prides itself in helping their customers excel in a constantly growing industry. From concept to cooler, CAPS offers solutions to your packaging needs, providing mobile bottling services, technical support, keg repair, rental bright tanks, and much more. It is their goal to help you grow your brand and your business and make your product stand out. Be different, look different. For more information, visit capsbottles.com. So were you at the beer dinner last year? I was. I was last year and the year before. I think uh, they served. Last year was like scorpion or something scorpion, like that, Scorpion, something right? crazy. And then it was like crickets. I was just like, hmm. Yeah, they're they're not for the faint of heart, but they he still sells that one out also. Yeah, and they, they were uh, shockingly tasty. Yeah, there's been a couple of those dinners I've gone to where like there's been a chorus where I'm like, oh, that does not sound good at all. Mm-hmm. But then Chef Nico finds a way to make it absolutely delicious, exactly. and you, you have no idea what's even in there. Was that well? That's the rub. That's the rub with all you know. You know, beer and, and pairings and stinky cheese and all the things that just complement beer and wine, I suppose, to a degree. But, you know, beer, you know, it's just it's made to go with things. And if you find someone that knows what they're doing, they can put things that make no sense on paper together. And it's like, you know, just this explosion of flavor is just, you know, sometimes overwhelming. I mean, I've definitely had pairings before where the the two things separately I disliked. Absolutely. Like, I absolutely did not like them, but having them at the same time, it was absolutely delicious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember I did a cheese uh, event one time, and it was – I mean, it smelled like a dead animal, right? And, <laughs> and, 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 and then they gave me this beer, and I was just like, yeah, this is not hitting it for me. But together, it was like absolute perfection yeah that it was the same thing for me i think it was like a goat cheese and a barrel-aged porter or i think that's what the two beers were and separately no good no mm-hmm. good but together we're perfect which is also it's a nice feature of your bottled product um every bottle has what are the three pairings it's the we, we do a food a food pairing like a main course usually occasionally like appetizer you know handheld type thing but usually a main a main course that we suggest um a cheese pairing and a cigar pairing and they're very specific not you know oh pair it with beef yeah yeah, yeah thanks that was <laughs> very helpful uh thanks we try to be very specific down for me <laughs> yeah thank you yeah we try to be very specific because again it's it's legit i mean we you know i'm a foodie that was one of the reasons that we got into brewing in the first place um was you know we loved beer dinners and we love experimentation and putting this flavor with that flavor and so i mean it was just a a natural fit and you know so all 
you know, we'll make a beer and I'll sit down and we'll get cheese and taste it. And we've done it enough that I usually have a pretty good idea before we do anything, you know, what, you know, what the recommendation is going to be. And of course the cigars, that's just fun. So you do all those yourself. I do. I do. Um, yeah. My, yeah. The cigars are very fun. <laughs> I, I, at some point I, I just got to where cigars started making me sick. I used to enjoy cigars, but I can't anymore. I think it's just too old, maybe huh. or huh. weak. I don't know. Very, one of the very sorry to one hear of the that. things. Very sorry to hear that. But um, I've done it. I mean, a lot of people don't think about these with cigars. I drink scotch or you drink bourbon. You know, occasionally wine. But I'm telling you, with with beer, you can make beer taste better with properly paired cigars and the cigar absolutely will be much brighter and more vibrant and the flavors will just meld together what's your favorite kind of cigar the kind that's in my hand usually <laughs> um i mean i have a lot of favorites um partigas makes wicked wicked cigars um there's a local cigar uh guy um who has a brand called fratello um he's based in virginia and we've done two events with him and done two of his cigars specifically with some of our beers and just primo primo stuff so when you when you choose a beer that you're going to bottle then do you just do you just go buy a bunch of different cigars and decide which one you like the best or that you've had enough and you remember what they were that you can well yeah i think more of the, at the beginning yes for sure like we my father-in-law who's who got me into this new vice um would come <laughs> and we'd smoke cigars and talk about it and at this stage though i mean you even if you let's say you have a cigar and maybe it's not hitting it with that beer but you make a mental note of it like i'm gonna come back to this at some point and and you know when it's the, the right combination and same thing with cheese you know i mean it's there's really no bad cheese. It's just a question of finding the right cheese with the right beer at the right time. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite cigar and beer pairing that you've done? Hmm. Hmm. That is a tricky one because we've had some pretty solid ones. Um, so, I mean, I'll tell you about my friends from Fratello because, uh, like I said, we just did an event with them, and so it's fresh on, on the brain. But uh, we have a beer called Love of the Damned, which is an old ale, which is obviously a, you know, it's a very malt, you know, uh, kind of that biscuity, caramelly forward beer. It's a big beer. Uh, we brewed that beer with um, port must, so it had a very distinct wine quality to it, you know, that grape note. Um, it was a really nice beer. But uh, he makes a beer. I mean, he makes a cigar uh, called the Boxer, which is one of his like staple beer, uh, staple cigars. And it's it's a it's a you know medium bodied cigar, but just has this really interesting tobacco you know leathery oily notes to it. Even though it's a you know a, a mild to medium smoke. You know, most people think of cigars as these big oily over the top cigars and and we love those types of cigars but this one was just a nice balance and it really complemented that wine undercurrent in that particular beer and that's what's on the label so the um another feature actually though so do you have on top of head a cheese one that you particularly enjoyed um we i think the best pairing in my opinion um when you're dealing with you know, hoppy beers, and, and less so on like tropical citrus type hops. I'm talking, you know, more of that classic, Bittery, resiny, know, resiny, piney. Um, 
you know, grassy type of, you know, big, think IPAs 10 years ago, or, you know, double IPAs, triple IPAs. Um, Rogue um, has a creamery, and they do a smoked blue cheese, which is to die for. And that with that resiny, you know, sticky malt forward double IPA is just killer. And then uh, dried cranberries in the mix. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> um, so then another feature of your bottles is that there's a decently long uh, story that goes with every bottle. Uh, was that from the very beginning that, that you did that? Or did, the, did you evolve, evolve to doing that? Uh, first beer we ever made was uh, called Bays, which is Imperial Stout. It stands for Black is Your Soul. And the text, the storyline on that which is all about breaking out of, you know, this corporate fishbowl life that you live in and, you know, you know, break away from the norm. I mean, that's there's nothing about the beer other than in a very, um, you know, lyrical sense, you know, talking about darkness of your soul and things of that nature because it's obviously a dark beer, but nothing about how we made it, what's in it, you know. It's, it tells a story, and, and that text hasn't changed from day one, and 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 every beer we've done has been in that same pattern. Um, and Black is Your Soul, would you consider that as almost like your flagship beer? Because that one, there's the base, and then there's a lot of offshoots from that, correct? Correct. Like a bunch of variations, I correct. guess. Correct. I mean, the whole concept, day one, was to never make the same beer again. Like, just constantly make new stuff, and, you know. And, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some patterns, for sure, and things that you work, that you want to repeat, um, but never just this is our IPA and let's, you know, let's crank that thing out. Uh, we never, I just wasn't that interested in that. I'm still not that interested in that. Um, but Bays is, you know, it holds a sweet place in our black heart because <laughs> it was the first beer we ever made. The bottle art is wicked. Um, is it the best Imperial Stout in the world? No, it is not. But it's a solid stout. And, and again, you can do barrel aging. You can adjunct it. You can do a variety of things with it. Um, we've made that beer I think five times, so you know, basically once a year. And th- that one is always bottled, right? Or have you made variants that didn't get bottled? We've we've done like some some barrel aging and some adjuncting of that beer that's like draft only. But okay. you know, it is a beer we've put in bottles because again, if we if we go to the effort of making a label, you know, I mean, that's yeah, going to sell. Use it. <laughs> that's going to sell the sell the beer. Um, so we actually have some on right now, um, and there's some other beers that we've made. Um, you know, on a you know semi-frequent basis, like uh, all I see is Carrion, which is a quad. We've made twice, and it's coming out again in in November. We've made a beer called Imagination Atrophy, which is a milk stout, and again we've made it three or four times. But like with our IPAs, um, we haven't made the same beer twice, uh, at least since uh, you know we really started in like the hazy IPA mold. Um, which was in early 2017. I mean, we've just cranked out, you know, new version, new version, new label, new name. Um, and, and granted, there's some patterns and, and, you know, with the recipe and what have you, but, I mean, it's been new, new, new. So the the beer ideas, are they all coming from you? Did your brewmaster come up with them also? How? What's that mix of... So, I mean, he is, um, so first, he's not, the, my brewer that I currently have um, has been with me for a very, very long time. He's been with me for like four years. 
we, I did have another um, head brewer at the beginning, and he was with me for about two and a half years before he left. Um, he was definitely an idea guy. So, like, we would work together. He had his own ideas, but, you know, he, he loved, you know, this and that and, you know, pairings and combinations and things like that. My current brewer, uh, not as much with, you know, what I would classify as kind of crazy ideas. Um, he just wants to make awesome beer. Um, and he doesn't like to experiment. So, you know, he does write his own recipes and comes up with his own ideas. But I also, um, you know, develop my own, particularly ones that are going to be going out, you know, for mass distribution versus we just made, you know, one or two kegs and we're throwing it on at the tasting room. Yeah. Um, I spend a lot of time, you know, talking with him and, and talking to my other brewers, you know, about refining recipes. And, you know, I know enough at this point to, you know, make my own decisions about what I want. So whose idea was ugly as sin, ugly or <laughs> ugly as sin, tasty as hell? Yeah. And then, well, then we'll go on to uh, what exactly that beer is. So that was one hundred percent me, hundred percent, hundred percent me. And in all fairness, we, uh, you know, one of the things we decided to do last year was was we always want. I always wanted to have like a, like a tart, you know, beer available pretty much like year round. So we brewed a big batch of Goza, which was, you know, if you're, you're going to brew a Goza, you're going to brew like a Berliner, right? I mean, those are your two styles you can choose from. Since we're not a sour brewery per se, yeah. right? we're not doing, you know, um, I mean, we could have done like a wild Saison or something like that, but we wanted to brew a base beer. And basically what we did is, is every week we would just doctor up a keg or two, you know, with fruit or with, you know, you know, whatever adjuncts, you know, we wanted to do for that week. But I mean, this is all stuff for the tasting room, right? Um, but it was getting very fruit repetitive. So I was laying in bed and I couldn't sleep and I'm thinking and all these ideas and I'm like, you know, we need to do one with like chocolate and coconut, you know, mind starts racing and I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. The problem with coconut, of course, and chocolate is when you put white and brown together, it's not the prettiest color (laughs) (laughs) and coconut has a tendency to be very, um, I don't know, milky and very chunky and thick. So, you know, as you can imagine, um, you know, we start blending these things together and uh, it may smells great. It tastes great, but you're looking at it and you're like, oof, that is ugly. Oh, well, let's put it on draft, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to do, you know? So, but, you know, people see it and they get excited about that kind of stuff. So I would say a lot of your beers could be categorized as polarizing. Yes. Um, so what uh, – is there any one that stands out as being the most polarizing where you've received both the most criticism and the most praise for? How long How long is this podcast? I've, I've got it's, like a hundred of them. Uh, <laughs> so um, and, and in all fairness, I mean I think over our five-year duration, we definitely have – I mean I could give you a dozen beers that would fall in that yeah. category. But, you know, at this stage in the game, we also – I mean I've got 24 beers on draft and – 23 out of those 24 are just going to appeal to almost – I mean, they're freaking awesome and great for drinkability. But we do make beers um, that are polarizing. Uh, we have one right on, on right now called The Devil Made Me, which is a smoked porter with serrano peppers. So it's – you know, it's a porter, which, again, is an approachable style, but it's a smoked porter, and it's got serrano peppers in it, so it's hot and spicy. So, again, that's a beer – on untapped that is one star five star one star five star <laughs> uh we made a bloody mary beer same thing it had tomatoes and it had habaneros and it had celery salt i mean again you love bloody marys five star oof i hate bloody marys you know 
Um, we made a lavender beer, a Saison with lavender, which, again, it was a very nice beer, but the problem is lavender uh, uh, in people's you know brains triggers that that smells like soap or that smells like perfume, like grandmother's perfume, <laughs> and they can't get it out of their mind, and then they start drinking it, and, and again, you know, negative one star, five stars, you know, so, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm not that worried about it, you know. I'd, rather, I'd much rather get a, an emotion, uh, emotional response out of somebody. Like, the worst thing they can do is just be like, eh, eh, that wasn't bad. You well, know, I'd much rather just, like, fly off the handle. That's um, one of the things I find interesting with Adroid Theory is that when you post things um, like the ugliest sin, tasty as hell, the the comments swing wildly back and forth. There's people super excited about coming to try it and then people that for some reason are personally offended that you made it and just can't even that yeah. you would make a beer like yeah. that. and. It's just it's weird that people like become so emotional <laughs> about yeah. uh, something they've never even tasted. Yeah, it'd be one thing if like you know, oh, we've been doing this for twenty years and it sucked for twenty years, you know, and now they're <laughs> getting bent out of shape about it. But um, haven't even tasted it yet, you know. But I mean, that's how people are, you know. And again, I, 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 some of those people can be, you know, um, you know tiresome but at the end of the day i'm i'm glad we're in an industry where at least people are excited and yeah. passionate about well, that's it versus if, just like nobody gives a crap you know i mean yeah if no one was commenting then you're kind of like why am i like, doing why am this? i doing this why am i trying to make new stuff um you know so you know that particular beer i mean sold out in record time i think we might have <laughs> had our best non-event weekend we've ever had so i'd say keep those comments coming in that's what i say but uh you know uh, at the end of the day, I'd much rather, you know, that everybody loved every beer. But at the end of the day, I'm also well, not going to try to appease people. And I think, to be frank with you, I think some of these brewers that, you know, that they've been doing it now for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, I mean, they've got their core beer, they've got their core sales, but, you know, they're really at the point where they're just trying to make beers that everyone's going to like. And that's fine and dandy, I guess, to pay the bills. But, you know, it's hard to innovate and, and push buttons when you're doing that. So are you at the point where if if you read the comments that you just brush it off, you don't care about the negativity, or do you just ignore reading reviews and comments altogether? Well, I I mean, we do look at it. It's not like where you just stick our head in the sand and, and ignore it. But at the same time, if someone has something, you know, constructive to say, then we obviously, obviously yeah. listen to it. And again, if there's like technical reasons, you know, um, we absolutely listen to and try to improve. We're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Our beers aren't perfect and we're always trying to improve and make them better. And I think our IPAs are a great example of that. You know, I mean, they've even the first, even the worst one we've made, I think has been pretty solid, but you know, we've been working very, very hard to make them better and more shelf stable and, you know, taste better at, for a longer period of time. Um, you know, than the ones that came out at the beginning. And and so you do work very hard in that regards. But if, you know, somebody doesn't like, you know, key limes and dragon fruit and you just jam-packed an IPA with those two things, <laughs> I'm like, well, screw you, you know. Yeah. Well, no, so I would say another um, very polarizing group of beers are the, like, Hawaiian Punch, Ecto Cooler. Mm. Um, like, you see comments like people th- – how cool that is actually it maybe 
that one almost falls into three categories of comments. It seems people are super excited and think it's awesome. People who um, think it's a gimmick, and then people who are just outraged by it. And yes, and, <laughs> is there a question? In in my <laughs> <laughs> so my guess would be though that all three of those groups probably end up coming to try it. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> as as gimmicky as it is, which again, obviously it. I mean, it's beer that looks and tastes like punch, right? So um, it is what it is. Um, although, you know, I think there should be a new JBF for, you know, category for you know, punch beers, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> Get some uh, BJCP judges up in here. <laughs> but anyway, I, you know, I mean, you always want to do something interesting. And, and frankly, you know, I mean, I was like a nostalgic throwback of like, oh, man, remember, you know, we used to drink those ten cent. They came look like a little plastic grenade and a little tin foil, and you peel it off. And it was purple. You remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember that. We should totally make beer taste like that. Okay, let's do that. That sounds great, <laughs> you know? And But that's the thing. I mean, you make interesting beers. Now, do I think that is some, you know, earth-shattering revelation? No, it's absolutely not. It's beer tastes like punch. You know, take take it as what it is. So just pop in, have a pint of it, enjoy it, and, you know, walk down memory lane. That's, that was the whole idea, you know? It's tongue-in-cheek. And it, so that, that's a category of things where um like internally in my mind i kind of struggle with where like the the are things like that gimmicky or is it just cool like part of me is solidly into like it's just cool you're doing something weird something different and then part of me still seems to fall into the oh that's just a gimmick who cares category but i still end up always um seeking out them no what no matter which part of my brain is winning the argument at the time i still end up wanting to try it well i mean you know <clears throat> one's man's gimmick is another man's you know cutting revolutionary thing right i mean if you think about you know jam packing a beer with oats and wheat and and not centrifuging it and not letting yeah, it settle I'd out and 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 selling it in 14 days after you brewed it I mean, five years ago, like, what the? That's crazy. That's ridiculous. You know, that's gimmicky. That's the standard, you know? Yeah. And, um, that, that's, and that was, I was going to point like that. That scale is definitely sliding and ever changing. I mean, it, probably five, 10 years ago, the same thing, like putting f as much fruit as put into beers now, it, you would, I, I imagine joke. people probably joke, considered right? that gimmicky also yeah i mean and that's just it right i think i think for me like where i draw the line is where like there's a marketing campaign that tries to capitalize on the gimmicky aspect of it right i mean if they were just like it is what it is you know we jam pack you know 50 pounds of fruit into this keg of beer enjoy tastes great you know like that would be one thing versus you know this corny or you know clever marketing campaign to try to trick you into, you know, oh, it's not really 50 pounds of fruit. You should, you know, that's it. I don't know. Those, those type of things kind of annoy me. But at the end of the day, I'd much rather be accused of doing something that somebody hadn't thought of that tastes great <laughs> than somebody that just cranked out the same pale ale again and again and again, you know? So have you ever come up with an idea for a beer that you or someone else had to be like, stop, no, we can't do this. Or have you not reached that? Mm -hmm. Have, have you not found that line yet? Well, we haven't 
we haven't uh <laughs> um um I don't think so. Uh <laughs> maybe. We did we did break one beer before we opened. That was like yeah, it was like a test little test batch that uh, we have not uh redone, but it, it has a little bit of notoriety to it that uh that I would love to make again. Um but I'm not sure not sure if that would go over. We'll see. <laughs> Guessing you don't want to say what it was. Well, we, I can't tell you all the details, but I will tell you we made a beer without any water in it. So That seems difficult. Uh, well, you just have to do something else. That's oh, all. Okay. <laughs> That's all I can say That's... about that. But I don't know. I mean, and again, I, I, I think, I mean, there's some crazy things that you would just never consider, but yeah. you know, maybe. maybe. No, I mean, like something you actually considered you decided to like started to go down the road and you were like, ah, no, no, that's a bad idea. Have you had that moment yet? Not yet. Were you, so you, have, you haven't had to talk yourself out of doing something yet. No, no, we wouldn't do like a production batch of something, you know, we're like, Oh my God, this is a crazy idea. What are you, what are you thinking? But I mean, I'm always happy to brew a, you know, one or a two barrel batch of something and see how <laughs> it turns out, you know, cause at the end of the day, if it's, completely horrible we just don't serve it you know yeah nobody knows yeah if you're making if you're making it a small enough um it's when you make like 20 barrels that you're like hmm i have committed you know um say you know one or two barrels or something is not that big of a deal so do you do you most of your beer because you have a two barrels or is it a one barrel system you have two systems right we we, yes we have really three because we also contract brew uh, okay off-site but um when we started the brewery, and we still have them today, we have two half barrels that we brew on simultaneously to, to yield a whopping one <laughs> one barrel of beer, you know, like eight to ten hours of work. Um, but we also have a ten barrel system, and so obviously that's you know still not very big, but at least we can you know crank out a little bit more beer with that, and and we have a lot of of a broader mix of fermenters, and I think a lot of other breweries do. So like we have one barrel fermenters, we have two barrel fermenters as well as 10s and 20s. Um, so it gives us a lot of flexibility. Like we can brew a batch of beer and, and split it if we wanted to into, into four two-barrel batches and do, you know, four different hops or four different adjuncts of the same beer with the same amount of work, which, you know, which would be difficult with other brewery setups. Um, but then when we uh, contract brew, which we've always done and, and we've done from day one, is, you know, it's you know, usually 60, 90, 120-barrel batches. So, I mean, yeah, we're not... We're not, uh, messing, not monkeying around because uh, that's real money, and yeah. you know, you, you have to be able to sell that. You're not putting coconut and chocolate into those ones. Well, uh, I wouldn't say that, but um, <laughs> you know, we're not we're not putting lavender in those types of beer. <laughs> yeah. I can assure you. Um, in your um, rate in I don't know somewhere probably around the middle of an expansion, sort of. Oh yes, yes, we're. I mean, we're growing. It, you know, it, it, things are going very well. So um, we've expanded a little bit at, at the brewery, and and once the landlord uh, moves out of his space, we'll be taking that over, hopefully. So, you know, things are on the up and up. So if I remember, the you took over the front front part of the building, and you're actively using that now. Correct. Yes, we we coveted their AC, so <laughs> we, we ran them off and took over their space. And if I remember, so the where the original tap room was, that's all going to be pro- 
production space or that, is it that's that's the the, the plan there's plan. some things that have to like happen to make all that happen yeah. and a lot of it you know just cash flow related as well but um yeah the, the plan is 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 the original tasting room we're going to turn into a, a, like a full-blown production so we can bring some of the contract brewing in-house uh, but frankly probably really not because we're continuing to grow so um i think it'll just make it more efficient and easier for the employees uh in-house and then Upfront will become, you know, really the, you know, a nicer, I mean, it's always been nice, but, you know, like an air-conditioned tasting room, which is nice on a day like today. Um, And then the other half of the building, which is currently occupied by the landlord, um, he's he's moving out. Um, He's building, like, a new building for himself. Um, So uh, my wife owns a distribution company that distributes our beer as well as other people's beer. And so the idea will be to move that business into that space. And, again, it just just make a lot of sense. All right, so one of uh, the questions I ask everyone's on, we've touched on it a little bit. Um, what is the worst slash most maddening review you ever received? Where you just read read it and you're like, what What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, it's funny. I was looking on Untap um, yesterday. We have about 175,000 you know, reviews, so that's a lot of reviews, a lot of opinions. But the one that irks me, and I'm sure every other brewer that you ask that question to, is the one where the people are like, I don't like IPAs, and yet I'm going to order your IPA, and then say, oh my god, I hate it. It tastes like an IPA. And I'm like, dude, seriously, <laughs> what are you doing? I don't like stouts. I don't like sours. Yet I order that hoping that it's going to change my opinion of some subcategory that I detest. Those are the ones that you're just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Most of the people, again, I think are reasonable. And that's all you're looking for is just people to give you a reasonable opinion, you know? And again, you know, a, a two and a half or a three star, meh. That's <laughs> the worst. Like, give it, give, it, give it one star, man, or give it five. Nothing in between. <laughs> you don't want any ambiguity yeah, in the, the opinion. Tell me you but... love it. Tell me you love it. That's all I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> again, to be honest, I can live with like four and a half. I can, I can live, or even four and a quarter, to be honest ex- with you. But, but, but uh, you don't want to see anything below there. Yeah, I don't know. No, it's like two and a half, three, three star nonsense. Like, just give it one star, man. It's not a big deal. You're not going to hurt my feelings. What's your highest rated beer? Um, again, we've made s- almost 670 beers. Um, that's a lot. Um, uh, we have, like, right now, I mean, most of the beers are over four. Uh, you know, that like, we are currently in production and we have the tasting rooms that's really nice for us we're obviously still trying to improve again it's not perfection but we're moving in the right direction um but we released a beer earlier this year called uh, demon surround me it was a 20 percent stout that we aged in port barrels they were port finished rye whiskey barrels and it was ridiculous it was a ridiculous beer and and shockingly shockingly easy to drink for 20%. Twenty percent. Um, it's a very well well rated beer. Uh, but our we did a version of Bay's with Oreo cookies and coconut, and it has a really high score too. So you know, <laughs> go figure. That that was um, one thing I would say you're definitely good at is hiding alcohol. Yes, the, the I will vast... take ownership of that. The vast majority of your beers, when you try them, there is no way to tell how much alcohol is in there. They're deceptively dangerous. Uh, yes. The, my first brewer, he was a genius at being able to, to balance that, you know, 
sweet boozy component. Um, and my new brewer kills it as well. I mean, we have a 9% hazy imperial IPA on right now that I swear to God, it's like down the hatch. Um, which, of course, ends up being a problem after you you know, you finish two of them off and you yeah. try to stand up and leave. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely, that was definitely in our wheelhouse. Um, what is your favorite beer that you've made? Hmm. Do you have any one standout? Hmm. That is a tricky one. We have, like I said, we have made quite a few beers. Um, how about I just tell you the favorite beer we've made this year? How's that? That'll work. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, making hop forward beers is something that, that we have, you know, really in the last two years done a lot more of than we did in the past. And again, they're, they're still improving and getting better and better, but I think they're getting pretty good. But we made uh, uh, a version of AK this year. It was the third version, which was called Chaos, uh, Chaos Warrior. And we used Enigma hops along with Mosaic and a little bit of citra and uh, enigma hops is an australian hops and it's not like galaxy or even nelson which you know most people know what it tastes like it is it it's an oddball and it is so ridiculous and i loved it it was a bit polarizing because uh, if you look at the other beers that are basically the same stuff but had you know el dorado in it or you know galaxy or whatever more juice forward beers the score was definitely lower, but uh, it, that beer was absolutely magical. What did the bottle look like for that one? It was like was a it? neon yellow and purple. Uh, the guy like at a riot with police in like okay. battle yeah, shields and stuff like that. That was a cool label too. But it was <laughs> it was like dank and tropical at the same time, which is very difficult to do because I, I my personal palate is I, I do enjoy you know not so much grassy you know piney type stuff but i like that dank undercurrent where it's like almost garlicky and you know spring oniony ish with a little bit of that mosaic you know i I love that kind of stuff general public man not so much but um (laughs) i think it's awesome so that's what that beer was i mean it was just i just would just hmm, it's wonderful what is your one of your favorites uh Virginia-made beers that you didn't make? Hmm. Another challenging question. Um, so I'll name you two. Uh, one um, from when we first started and, and one that I literally just tasted yesterday. Um, uh, one of my favorite beers I've ever find at a store is Hoptopus by Reaver Beach. They're in down in Virginia Beach. Uh, I love everything they do. They do a lot of sours and barrel-aged stuff. Um, we've brewed some beers with them, and I mean, I think they always do a really nice, nice job. But I remember the first time I tried that beer was in uh, 2014 at uh, Virginia Brewers Fest, and I was like, "This is freaking awesome!" So every time I see that beer at a store, I buy it. Uh, it's a double IPA. Um, I was at Final Gravity, uh, which was a brewery in Richmond yesterday, and uh, they gave me a beer called Doppler Effect, which is. It's not really a hazy IPA. It's almost more almost like a you know like a like a West Coast IPA, but it has that that kind of tropical citrusy that you would expect yeah. in a hazy beer, and it was on point. Nice, Evan. I don't think I've actually. I don't think I've ever had anything from them. 
They're real small. They're, they have a two-barrel system, <clears throat> and, but, you know, they're making really nice beers. I know they're they're one of the breweries that is always recommended when people are asking where to go in Richmond, that they're they're usually lumped in. We like the Vail, with the, yeah. the Triple Crossing and all those those cats. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I can make a laundry list. I mean, uh, we 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 don't drink our own beer, you know, all the time, like like Kool Aid or well, I guess we do make a beer that's like Kool Aid, but um, <laughs> the uh, I mean, Virginia is Virginia's got it going on. Not, I mean, Loudoun County, there's a lot of brewers. I mean, you know, basically every beer that Oslo comes out with is freaking money, Crooked Run, um, but you know. Richmond is on fire. Charlottesville, there's awesome stuff down by the beach, you know, Virginia Beach, Norfolk area. There's lots going on. And then in Maryland, I mean, you got Cushwa, you got RAR, you got Burley Oak. I mean, it's just a laundry list. It never ends. DC, yeah, I mean, it never ends. Yeah, there's, you don't have to go far to find really good beer in the mid Atlantic. No, you do not. <laughs> no, I think it's on the up and up because, I mean, there's other parts of the country that are not like that. San Diego, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, other parts, not so much. So do you um, do you have anything before we wrap up? Do you have anything coming up? Um, anything special that you want to tell everyone about? Yes, come and spend. Um, <laughs> every, every week's a party at at a dry theory, right? Well, I mean, one nice thing about us is we are always cranking out new stuff. So like this yeah. weekend for Labor Day, and of course we're pulling out all the stunts because it's a big holiday weekend. We're releasing ten beers. So think about it: twenty four drafts, ten of them are brand new. That's a pretty nice mix, you know. Yeah. Like if you went there two weeks ago and you came back, it'd be like, wow, it's all new. Um, but that's all. That's an ongoing pattern, and and one of the things we'll be doing over the fall is doing small bottle releases. Right now, we can't because we're contracting. We don't mm-hmm. have our own bottling machine, so I mean, we'll release, you know, three hundred cases of something. Well, that's a lot, right? Um, but starting in in early October, we're going to be releasing like twenty or thirty cases of something at the tasting room on like an ongoing basis. Um, so again, real small batches, you know. And, and hopefully, you know, some of the most interesting stuff is what those will be. It's like um, next weekend we have a, a triple IPA that comes out. But, again, it'll be like 20 cases. So hustle on down, you know. Yeah. So there will be uh, probably a line. Um, we are and, in the boonies. Hopefully. <laughs> I don't know, but we are in the boonies. <laughs> Burley Oaks in the boonies and they have a line. So mm, true that. True that. Um, you definitely have a following also. So – there's, yeah, if there's such a small amount of it available, there's a good chance that yeah, uh, hopefully. So hopefully. You, will that, that be done in bombers? We're we're doing everything in bombers. I mean, and I know the industry. You know, all the cool kids are doing. You know, you know uh, tall boy cans. I say, God bless them. <laughs> you know, we do bottles. I like bottles. It's a nice. You know, there's more area to design artwork with. You know, there's certain vendors and retailers. That's all they want, and. Uh, I think 22 ounces is the perfect crushable amount, don't you? I, for some of your beers, maybe not. It's <laughs> maybe a little more than I want. <laughs> I don't know if I would. Uh, oh, come on now. I don't. I don't know if I would categorize a uh, 20 ounces of Bays as crushable. Oh. Uh, I mean, some people I'm sure would. <laughs> I don't know. It seems very reasonable to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you did ask the, the other big exciting thing. Um, which will be coming up sooner than, than I mean, even we, we were thinking, but our five-year anniversary is coming up in January. And, and every year we've thrown a festival called Dawn of a Dark Day. And so this year, as our five-year anniversary, we're pulling out all, all the stops. And uh, we're actually having a five-day celebration at the end of January. And uh, we're releasing 10 barrel-aged beers over the f- course of five days. And we're bringing in five 
other breweries and doing like big, you know, like six to 12 of their taps, not just one beer from them. So, I mean, it's going to be a pretty awesome party. You should get your tickets now. <laughs> are, are tickets available now? We haven't or? actually posted it, but after Labor Day, um, you know, the promotion for that event will begin. And we're still working out some of the details, but there might be a death metal concert also on top of that. So we'll see. We'll see, I'm how, surprised we'll see how it you, goes. I, you don't strike me as someone who likes death metal. Well, I like both types of music, country <laughs> and western. Um, we, uh, I mean, we've got very taste. We, I mean, we're not a heavy metal brewery. Like, there's some other breweries that, like, that's all, you know, it's 24 hours a day, you know. And we do play a lot of that kind of stuff, but um, we're Let's definitely, see, we're definitely mo- into it. Uh, yeah, your motif kind of leans towards. <laughs> it's a natural <laughs> fit. Yeah. <laughs> Natural fit. And we like that. We're going to be at, at Decibels Beer and Metal Fest in L.A., you know. So we like that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so on your website, Facebook, people to keep an eye out for tickets? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, we're, we're pretty active on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all adroit theory, just, you know, one word. Um, the website is reasonably up to date, but really, those three, pla- those three platforms are okay. the ones that we actively do. And I guess we do a little bit of Google. I don't even know what they call it anymore, but whatever that, you know, <laughs> whatever that Google thing is. So, uh, <laughs> whatever they're doing, yeah, whatever there. they're doing, I, to be honest, I have no idea what they're doing, but we, <laughs> we post there. But we don't use the other ones, at least currently. But we're also very active on Untapped. The one nice thing about us, you can go on Untapped, and even though we've made 600 beers, only the 24 that are currently available are, are, you know, the active beers on Untapped. And there's little QR codes when you're checking in, you know, boom, boom. Are you, you're, so you're a verify or whatever the term they use for? We're that too, but we take it one step further. I mean, we use the, the menu for our board okay. and jazz, but like we go to the effort of actually making like our menu or like if we go to like a festival, we'll make a QR code so you can, oh, cool. you can check right in that makes it on the easier. fly. I probably would keep using it if more places did that. It's a little bit of work, particularly with us, because we have a lot of beers and a lot yeah. of names, these crazy names and variants and all this stuff. But we made it. A we lot we went through and cleaned it all up. Everything is super easy now. And you leave out vowels often. and <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah. We do all that kind of stuff. It all makes sense to me. It makes perfect perfect sense to me. As long as they make sense to you, it's it's no problem. Actually, you should see the spreadsheet we have to keep track of everything because it's <laughs> there's so many beers, right? I mean, it's all the cheese pair and like, oh, have we used this cheese before? Hold on, let me go look in the huge table that is just ginormous to make sure we're not, you know. Pretty soon, you're going to have to graduate to like an actual database to keep I track know, of all a that. Database. That's exactly. We probably do need that actually. But, <laughs> you know, one thing at a time. Right. One thing at a time. All right, once again, thank you so much for coming up and uh, visiting with us. All right, cool. Thank you uh, for inviting me, and thank you for listening to um, our answers. (laughs) And uh, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.